Hello, this is The Credentialed, the show where we talk to fascinating business people in the world of technology and innovation who don't fit the tech exec stereotype. I'm your host, Kate Kay. Today's show is a continuation of our talk with Allison Clift Jennings, CEO of Filament, who joined us recently here in the studio to discuss how Filament modernizes old-school industrial equipment to create new efficiencies the old stuff never could. When we left off, we were pondering the concept of applying value exchange to equipment, things like solar panels and even everyday power tools. But in this half of this show, Allison and I address something more personal, what it was like to be a CEO trying to earn funding for her company while she was smack dab in the middle of her gender transition from male to female. Let's pick the show back up there. So I want to talk about you a little bit. Sure. You, um, I mean, I think it's so interesting that you tr- you moved from the CTO, the chief technology officer role to mm-hmm. the CEO role. Uh, on the credentialed, we've actually had another guest who um, also did the same thing. Really? Uh, a woman Great. named Gladys Kong, who uh, is CEO of Uber Media. She was the mm-hmm. chief technology officer and eventually became the CEO. Wonderful. And is that something that you're seeing in the tech industry broadly or like in your sector at all? It's or a good is question. it just like a totally. Um, a, a total anomaly or what? <laughs> I mean, I haven't seen it often, but it does it does happen sometimes, you know, for a whole series of events. Um, when we transitioned as a company from being this, uh, really quickly we were focused on this very playful maker um, community, which is DIY yep. enthusiasts, inventors, et cetera. We're in Portland. We know about Yeah, makers. you know all about makers, oh, yeah. right? Yeah, you have Maker Fair Portland. It's mm-hmm. amazing. So, <laughs> um, so we were actually a company that was focused. The company is called Pinocchio. It's a very playful name, very fun. Branding everything was very much around, like, let's make and invent. And so that's where we built our platform. What was interesting is we got all these inbound calls almost immediately after our, our, our crowdfunding campaign, which was from these big companies going, hey, we want to put Pinocchio on our construction equipment for vehicle collision avoidance on a work site. And we're like, that's a horrible idea because it's it's a playful, It's there's no container or enclosure. It's an exposed circuit board. Please don't let it rain on it. It's like right. it was not ruggedized for that at all. Mm-hmm. But we stumbled into a bigger need. A bigger desire. And so we, we, what's called, pivoted the company into this industrial focus. And at the time, Sally Carson was the CEO of Pinocchio, a good friend of mine, and I was a CTO. And, um, you know, for a lot of different reasons, she was um, very focused on, and she's an expert at this connection between humans and computers. So human-computer interface, UX, UI, user experience, user interface, um, really, really brilliant to that. And she really wanted to stay there. And as we started looking in the industrial side, it looked pretty um, sparse from a UX standpoint mm. in a lot of ways. And she just didn't find a lot of interest there. Yeah. So, you know, amicably parted ways. And and, um, and so I took on the CEO role. Um, and so that was my story about how to get there. I haven't heard it happening a lot, but, you know, running a tech startup it helps immensely for me to be able to speak with investors or partners or potential customers and be able to hold my own with the tech side because, mm-hmm. you know, there will always be someone in the room who's like, you know, thinks they're the smartest person. And so when you can at least carry a conversation with them, it actually lends a lot of credibility to the situation. I, so, I'll bet. Yeah. yeah. And um, you probably have, uh, do you, are you having more interaction with like staff or, I mean, you, I don't know how many people you guys have. 20. Uh, 20, and, so, yeah, 20. So you probably already mm-hmm. sort of had a lot of engagement with I did, mostly engineers originally, right? But now it's everybody. And yeah. so I, I 
I joke with my team, and it's actually not a joke, it's very serious, is that all of their product they're working on is our product. My product is our team. Like I, my product now is our team, and it's been a weird transition for me to move away from working on technology and code and architecture and hardware design. I, I designed the first 13 revisions of our hardware board, so I'm familiar with electronic, electrical mm-hmm, engineering and mm-hmm. computer science, et cetera. And right. I love that, and I still do it as and a hobby. And that's your background. I like it is. Them. It right. is, EE and CS. And so I love it, but moving into the CEO role, I had to say goodbye to it. I really did because I had to focus on the human side of things, which in its own way is a beautiful thing. It's maddening sometimes, but it's absolutely beautiful, too, to see a group of people work in concert for a bigger vision and just pull out this success that just shouldn't have happened, but somehow does happen. And it's a, it's a wonderful thing. I wouldn't mm. trade it for anything. Cool. Yeah. Uh, so the, focusing on the human side, uh, I want to talk about a blog post that you wrote sure. in 2016. And um, you wrote, I quote, it's time to start another chapter in my personal life. Uh, and that next personal chapter was your gender transition from male to female. And you're yeah. undergoing that right now. And I mean, the idea of being a leader of a company and leading a team of people and yeah. like going through that process. Um, one thing that's really interesting is at the time in the in your blog post, you wrote that you have um, um, amazing support from your team and you know, it won't mean any changes for the company. Right. And I have to wonder if there are just things that you are, maybe there have been some changes that you didn't anticipate in some way. There um, are. Yeah, yeah I'd love <laughs> for to, sure. anything that you might want to yeah, share. Yeah, totally. So, you know, you, it's pretty much impossible to go through a gender transition and not expect some changes from people around you or yourself, right? It's It's just too big of a process for anyone to assume that, like, it's all just business as usual every day. It's not because, you know, God bless humans, if you will, um, but people, you know, it's like people are people and people have unconscious biases and they fall into these weird traps and they can be the most beautiful of souls and they can still fall into these really nasty things that they don't even realize they're doing Mm -hmm. because they are now perceiving you as female instead of male, for instance. And so um, (laughs) I have this joke (laughs) that I use. Again, it's kind of like a little bit of of an experiment. I like to experiment a little bit, as you can tell, but um, (laughs) I have found since presenting female and being perceived as female more. Um, my voice isn't quite there yet, so I do often get misgendered, but once I open my mouth, but you know, as I walk through an airport or something, um, I usually don't have too many problems, but um, I do find that I get treated differently if I am taller or shorter than the person I'm talking to physically. So based on the height of the shoes I'm wearing, <laughs> I actually get treated differently, which is super and interesting. That didn't happen when you This wasn't even male. a thing as a male, right? So, you know, and it's not always condescending, it's just different. It's either complacent or, or dismissive. It's, it's, it's these different things. And, mm-hmm. you know, I have to be careful of my own unconscious biases because we all have them where I could be like being overly sensitive to differences in how people are working or talking to me when it might just be one of those days for them, right? So I have to make sure that there's another balance on my side. But mm-hmm. there is de- certainly some changes that have happened. But I had to, you know, when I came out as transgender, I was in the middle of a fundraising cycle for the company, which is when you raise money for making sure you have money in the bank. Right. And this is meeting with, you know, with with all respect to all of our investors who I love dearly, and they're very good. And all the investors that did not invest in us who are also very good, you know, they all look the same, which is a lot about, a lot like what this entire you know podcast is about, mm-hmm. is that they are often white, they're often male, they're often older, 
They're often wealthy. They often have backgrounds in technology or finance. A lot of them have a very similar types of backgrounds. Exactly. Maybe you went to the same kinds of schools. Ivy League, you know, et cetera. Yeah. They all know each other. They all have the same, same golf networks, club. All that. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, and that's not a dig on them. That's just a, a fact. Mm-hmm. And so um, going through a gender transition during pitching to folks like this, I knew in my head that this could go really south really fast. And not yeah. not even necessarily because they're terrible people, but because we all have unconscious biases and we can fall into those without even knowing. And so I made a choice. Um, I had come out to you know, close friends and family, spouse, et cetera, about a year before that. Mm-hmm. And as I started the, the, the process of fundraising, I stayed in, in presenting mail. Um, even though I was on hormones for six months, seven months at that time, and you know things were starting to change, I was starting yeah. to not be able to hide things anymore. Right? Wow! Um, but I insisted that, and and the reason I chose this is because I did not want to bet the company on random investors' unconscious biases. Mm-hmm. It wasn't worth it to me, and so I said, I'm going to you know play the part, if you will, wear the costume for six more months. And it's supposed to take six months to raise, and it took me nine. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I was like, you know, at the end there, it was really really hard to actually. <laughs> <laughs> actually, you know, still show up as a dude because it's like, you know, it, it things don't work the same, yeah. I guess is the best way to put it. You know, the body responds to hormones in certain mm-hmm. ways. Everybody's does. And, um, and that's getting to the point where it's like it was not really able to be presenting as male fully anymore. And so it was really wonderful, though, because as soon as we closed the round, um, meaning like we finished raising, we had one more big company. Um, major company, Intel Capital, who was going to put a big chunk of money in. And they had not committed yet. And I needed to, I had to come out at this point because it was like, I, I can't do this anymore. And people are starting to ask and talk and stuff. And so I decided to let all of the investors know through this blog post, as you mentioned. And I knew I could lose Intel because I was like, you know, like they could just be like, what? You misrepresented or weird or who knows? All my thoughts were thinking terrible things. So I call up my contact there. He's a wonderful guy named Pat. And I said, hey, I got to talk to you about a personal thing. We talked on the phone for a little while. And of course, what he says is, you never, you can never expect what people say. You're always wrong. What he says is, go. He said, you know, I really wish you would have told me earlier because we have a whole diversity fund. We could have actually got this done faster. <laughs> right. Like, yeah. Of course. So like, I, I sh- <laughs> there I go trying to like think things through too much. Right. You can't judge what people would say or do, mm-hmm. and and that's been a common theme through this whole process. But wow. it's been amazing. And you know, it's like I'm very proud of that. I'm, I don't want to hide it. I don't expect to hide it. I'm I'm very out about it. Um, I think that um, there were people in my life who um, who I knew of or knew had read about who gave me the inspiration to move forward in my process. And if this can help ratchet that forward for someone else, then all the better. And, and it's just kind of a pay it forward sort of thing for me. Okay, we'll return to our chat with Allison Clift Jennings, CEO of Filament, in just a moment. I'll take a quick break here to remind you that you're listening to The Credentialed, a podcast giving voice to people in tech and innovation who don't fit the mold when we think tech executive. I'm Kate Kay, and I'm your host. Do you know someone who should be featured on The Credentialed? Are you someone who should be on? Let us know. Email me at kate at thecredentialed.com or tweet to us at The Cred Podcast. That's Kate at thecredentialed.com or the Cred Podcast on Twitter. Now back to our chat with Allison Clift Jennings, CEO of Filament. Do you feel a little bit like a trailblazer here? I don't. That feels awfully hubristic. Yeah. <laughs> I I like to say that I'm just standing on the shoulders of giants, like you know the 
Martine Rothblatt's and the Kate Bornstein's mm-hmm. and the, you know, um, Julia Serrano's. These are amazing women who have done a lot of great work. And there's lots of amazing trans men as well who have just really, like, they've trailblazed, to be quite honest. Um, I get an easier path because of the work they've done. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe someone will look back and be like, yeah, like, I trailblazed too. Fine. That's uh, maybe, maybe not. I don't know yet. <laughs> but I hope yeah. that if there's one person out there who's like, oh, man, I've really struggled with this and I can actually run a company and a startup, I can raise money while transitioning, maybe I can be that one example that shows a counter example to what everyone thought was impossible, so. Wow, yeah, Yeah. I mean, and I think uh, your experience really illuminated the fact that there's a lot of good people on that, you know, we think of these that's right. The people with the money uh, yeah. sometimes as, as evil as, or... or just, you know, not not um, being open minded about yeah. stuff or whatever. Yeah. And, you know, here they were proving you wrong a little bit. Maybe Absolutely. <laughs> it's a learning process for everybody, yeah. myself, especially included. You're absolutely right. There's there there really is a silent majority, especially in the trans community. Um, or the trans narrative, I'll say. There is a silent silent majority who is very wonderful and accepting. And you just don't hear about them because they're living their life loving each other. It's Mm -hmm. like it's really, it's the loud mouths that are the the, the minority that always seem to get the airplay. But it's, there really is, especially in the environment, you know. And and if anyone ever did say anything not nice about my process, they never brought it up. So it was almost like, well, good. You said it in closed doors. That's where you should say it if you're going to say something rude, you Mm -hmm. know. So it was fine. I, I didn't get any negative response. I got a lot of questions. Um, I had, um, you know, I had all, all sorts of people in my life who are all across the spectrum on political and religious aspects. Everyone was wonderful. Everyone, it's really, and I feel very lucky and a little bit guilty in some ways because not everybody gets that experience. Yeah. But for me, luckily, um, it was a very positive one and maybe I needed to be on easy mode or something. Mm. So I'm very appreciative of that. And I, not a day goes by that I'm not grateful for the people who are very accepting of, the, of me through the process. So, so you um, mentioned a learning process and I want to talk a little bit about why you're in Portland you guys are based in Reno we are headquarters in filament um but you are here in Portland which is why we're doing this awesome in-person thing I'm so glad thank you for psyched about um you're here for the tape tape ops music recording workshop and Portlanders some Portlanders and other music you know, indie music people are familiar with tape ops, probably. Oh, yeah. But tell yeah. tell us why you're you're here doing the tape so ops. So I've I've been into music and music recording and musician, you know, songwriting and and recording, etc. For since my freshman year in high school, I think eighth grade, perhaps, where I got my first guitar and it was a piece of crap and it broke and I had to buy it from a guy in this really sketchy neighborhood. And my parents had to go with me. <laughs> it was hilarious. But I've always had this music bug. It's my creative outlet, and so. You know, as I started getting into it more, there's this really fantastic magazine, of course, everyone in Portland knows about it, called Tape Up, that um, that Larry Crane puts on and, and publishes, and, and he has a recording studio here. And, you know, Larry's fairly prolific, I think, in his space. Um, I've never met him before. I'm going to, apparently, tomorrow. But, um, you know, he did a lot of work with Elliot Smith and some others. He's done just really good work on some really important music that's been important in my life. And he started uh, this workshop where you can go, and as anybody, and learn from people who are very experienced, wise in their in their ways around recording, engineering, mixing, um, just audio um, ideas, even some producing, I think, aspects too. Very short workshop, but it's going on this weekend. And so I had signed up for this many, many months ago. And uh, and when we actually connected, it worked out perfectly to come a day early. So I'm very excited because I, I feel like it's a whole other world I know nothing about. 
I'm starting kind of from scratch again. Mm. And uh, it's neat to be in the same room as people who just want to learn. It's a very conducive environment for just absorbing a lot of new material. So. Yay. I'm excited for you. Thank you. I'm very excited as well. <laughs> and when we have you back on, you're going to bring some stuff and we're going to hopefully sure. use, use some of your tunes on the Ooh. show, maybe. Absolutely. Awesome. Cool. Allison, it's been really a pleasure well, talking thank to you. you. Thank you. It's so, so much. good to be here. Thank you. Again, thanks to Allison Clift Jennings, CEO of Filament, for chatting today on The Credentialed. You can find out more about Filament at filament, that's with an F, dot com. Do you know someone who doesn't fit the technology executive stereotype who should be featured on The Credentialed? Are you someone who should be on? Let us know. Email me at kate at thecredentialed.com or tweet to us at The Cred Podcast. That's kate at thecredentialed.com or The Cred Podcast on Twitter. And thanks for listening to The Credentialed.